said amen. Praise God. All right. I want to draw your attention to the book of Isaiah. We're just going to look because this is connected to a much bigger picture. We're just going to look at one verse of scripture here. Isaiah 28 and verse number 10. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Okay? What this is basically talking about is connecting all the dots and getting a greater understanding of God, His plan for your life. In this particular verse, it's talking about the prophetical utterances given to the nation of Israel. And now I want to go to Matthew chapter number, I'm sorry, pardon me, John chapter number 2. Famous passage of Scripture, and we're going to start in verse number 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. In verse number 11, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Now this may, excuse me, this may not mean a lot of sense right here out of the gate, but by and by I think you're going to understand a little better. I want to talk to us. Here a little, there a little. Here a little, there a little. Let's put our Bibles down and let's lift our voices. Come on, let's give him praise. God, we've lifted up and exalted your name. We've given you glory. We praised you. Father, I pray for the Word of God to give clarity, to give direction, revelation, and insight for every single human being that's under the sound of my voice. Give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to say thank you to the music department and this choir. That was astounding. And we are blessed. And we thank you for, you know, it really is a sacrifice uh, to do these things, to make it good, to make it anointed, where it leads us as a congregation into the presence of God. It's a big deal. We appreciate the sacrifice of all of you in Jesus' name. This famous story that is found here in... John chapter number 2, 
It's like, it's like a great symphony by one of the great classicals, um, conductors, composers, and that there are different movements in the story, and yet they are all connected. This is a, a symphony of sorts that I want to talk to us about this morning. What you're seeing here in John chapter 2 is actually a transition that is taking place, not just in the life and ministry of Jesus, but also what will be the object of our fascination here today will be on Mary, Mother Mary is one of the most incredible human beings that has ever lived. And so the cause of this transition is described for us in verse number one. We're going to do somewhat of, a, of an exegesis here in the first couple verses, and then we're going to bring some things together for us to understand the greater mosaic of revelation and understanding that is culminating here in John chapter number 2. Look at verse number 1 with me. The Bible said, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now this is, this is notable because it is revealing to us that by this time there has been a separation, a distinct separation between Mary and Jesus. And verse number two accentuates this separation. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And so Jesus has not yet absolutely had an official beginning of his ministry, but yet he has already called his disciples. And so if we could step back and look at maybe a greater theological purpose that is being articulated here, it is, it is a transition from Jesus away from his mother. She is the supernatural connection for Jesus into, uh, into the world, into the uh, incarnation, into the manifestation is Mary, and here you are seeing this transition of from Mary, and now Jesus is coming, and he's with his disciples, and so you not only see a separation, but you see um, a classification uh, in this separation, and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. It was highly unusual to have any type of celebration such as uh, a marriage event. Marriages could go as long as seven, eight days, and it would be uh, a very festive occasion. And wine, and just for some of you out there that are uh, wannabe biblical scholars, there were different grades of wine. Not every time that you see the word wine in the Bible are we talking about a beverage that was fermented. However, there were times of celebration that fermented wine was, was in vogue, and this is one of them. 
And Mary brings this to Jesus by saying they have no wine. Verse number four is one that has puzzled biblical expositors and commentators for the last 2,000 years because of the abruptness of speech in which Jesus addresses his mother. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee, mine hour is not yet come. Now, in preparation for this, uh, this morning, in, in some of the biblical commentators that I use just for reflection, not for revelation and not for understanding, but just for reflection and maybe a nuanced perspective, um, the majority of biblical commentators believe that this was almost a rude, a rude, response from Jesus to his mother. I have to break with those commentators. I do not believe that this was a rude response. I believe that what we are seeing is a further articulation of what I've already described to us, that you are now seeing a separation from Jesus from his mother and from his earthly family as a whole, that you are seeing a statement here that is one of proclamation. It is one of announcement. I do not believe that Jesus was being rude when he said this. I believe that he was letting her to know that there is a transition that is taking place. Hallelujah. Woman, what have I to do? Of course, everything. When you're a man, I learned this along, I learned this the first week of being married, that everything has to do with tone. And all the married men say amen. That's pretty weak. I feel like the Lone Ranger up here. That's all right. But I learned that tone is everything. I can say something, it's amazing, I can say something almost as a whisper in the wrong tone. My wife interpreted that as me yelling at her. And all the married men say amen. amen. You're, some of you are just, you're just, I need to help deliver you from that spirit of fear. <laughs> Obviously, I hit a nerve there. Totally unintentional. I do not believe that Jesus has a tone of severity. I do not believe that Jesus is employing a tone of disrespect. I believe that what you are seeing could very well be the very first proclamation of his distinct separation to now be all in to begin his ministry. Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Further, I do not believe that Mary, by telling Jesus that they have no wine, had a reservoir and a resource of Jesus doing miracles around the house. Instead of asking for somebody to pass the ketchup, Jesus just performed...
when sitting around the table. I don't believe when Jesus needed the ketchup that he performed a miracle and just had the ketchup brought over to him. I believe that in order for Jesus to be exactly who Jesus was, that he played by the rules. And I do not believe that there were any miracles that were done before this point. It's amazing the thousands of pages of commentary that are written by uh, biblical commentators, most of them during the 19th century, which was the apex of the literary age. Uh, the total apex of religious study found its apex, not in the 20th century and not in the 21st century, but in the 19th century. And so most of the great commentators uh, lived in the 19th century. And they are divided in what they feel because they don't have a revelation of who. Listen, you cannot believe in the Trinity and, and have a right revelation of Jesus Christ. There are not three persons in a fictitious Godhead. There is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Hallelujah. And so there's a variety of, of perspectives of why Mary came in, where Mary saw Jesus uh, lifting up a cart and changing the wooden wheel or Jesus lifting up an animal or Jesus doing lifting up his bed or Jesus, you know, doing some acts, miraculous acts as a child. I do not believe that for one second because Jesus knew that the miraculous was tied to his ministry. Jesus was not here to play games. Jesus was not here for an exposition of demonstration that was out of context. The context of his miracles was in his proclamation of being the Savior of the world. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. And so we're building, we're building this story. And Jesus has now been informed that they have no wine. And Jesus looks at his mother and says, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Of course, his, his hour is talking about the beginning of his ministry. His mother, I want to tell you what my mom would have done. If I said that disrespectfully, I'd have been on the floor. Today, parents do <laughs> time out. When I was being raised, I'm going to show you a time out. See this? Bam! Right, right. It's not time out. It's knockout, punch out. Exactly. I'm not saying I advocate that. I'm not saying agree with that. But that's what I would have done if I would have smarted off to my mom and dad. I don't believe that Jesus was being rude or unkind to his mother. But Mary had an understanding of what Jesus just said. So that she turned to the servants and said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And so Mary, being a type of the fivefold ministry, 
Whatever Jesus tells you to do today, do it. Let's lift our hands and give God great praise. That's what I intend on doing today. I intend on doing exactly what God wants me to do today. I'm, I'm intending to do exactly what God wants, God's will, God's direction. Somebody said amen. amen. I know you believe that. Let's clap our hands and give God praise. <laughs> praise God. Look at how this unfolds because immediately after this, Jesus said, fill the water pots to the brim with water. And of course, the miracle, the very beginning of miracles is performed. Water into wine. The first miracle that Jesus performed is going to be the last miracle that Jesus performed. In change, offering change from one element into another element, from something that was as common as water to something as precious as wine, if you'll do it. Although this was the very first beginning of miracles, the Bible says that in verse number 11. Please show that, verse number 11. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. The transition is complete. Now the disciples are all in. It has transitioned from his mother to the disciples. Although this was the first miracle that Jesus performed, this was not the first miracle that Mary experienced. For 30 years, she has been hanging on to this futuristic moment. For 30 years, she has been wanting to believe. In fact, you could almost see a, a nuanced anticipation, maybe Maybe even, even her, not being pushy, but saying, I, I know this is it. I, I know this is the moment. He's got his disciples. John the Baptist has already been preaching, and now he's got his disciples, and it could happen at any minute. Let's go to Luke chapter number one, and let's see how Mary begins her journey in the miraculous. Luke chapter number one, verse number 31, you know the story. Gabriel, the messenger archangel, appears and begins to communicate with a 14-year-old virgin that is espoused to her husband. And verse number 31 says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, 
How shall I, this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Mary is the first in many regards in the New Testament. I preached about uh, her being the very first person to journey into the impossible uh, a month ago or so. That's not what we're talking about here today. But she received a prophecy. She received a promise that the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you and that which will be born of you will be of the Holy Ghost and he is going to fulfill Old Testament prophecies. And so she said, according to thy word, be it unto me. And so 33 and a half years later, John the Baptist has already been born and out preaching, eating locusts. And one crying is a voice in the wilderness. Jesus has now assembled his disciples. And Mary is ready for the fulfillment of this prophecy. Luke chapter number 2, verse number 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made it known unto us. You know the story. Jesus is born and there is an angelic host there are shepherds that are involved. Verse number 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the same which was told unto them concerning the child. And all they had heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Look at verse number 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The word pondered here means to put one thing with another. It means to connect two dots. And so not only did she have an angelic visitation when the promise was originally given, but now there is an angelic visitation when the prophecy is fulfilled. And then there is also human agency that is involved. There are the shepherds that, that see the angels saying, peace on earth and goodwill to men. And they find the, the child there and they begin to ooh and awe and, and, and the praising God and, and exalting God. Mary keeps all of this in her heart and ponders it. What an incredible woman she was. Fifteen years old. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to her, so just stick with me. She knows how to keep her mouth shut. 
She's not going to get on social media and say, this is what God just did. She's not going to get on Facebook and look for more followers. She keeps it in her heart, vouchsafe in that special place of awe and wonder about what God has said and God is doing. This is not all. In Luke chapter number 2, verse number 45. I'm sorry, starting at verse number 41. Here they go up to the temple in Jerusalem for the feast. Jesus is 12 years of age. This is 12 years afterward. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Verse number 45. And when they found him not, Joseph and Mary got so caught up. We've probably seen old friends communicating, getting together with others. They looked around. They said, Where's Jesus? 12 years old. Where's Jesus? We don't need an amber alert. We just need to find out where he's at. Let's continue on here. Verse number 46. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors. The word doctors is where we get the word doctrine. Jesus wasn't talking about prescription. Jesus wasn't talking about how to get rid of a headache. Jesus was talking about doctrine. Both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, what hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. You just, if you're a parent here today... You can, just, you can just understand what it's like to, uh, to be missing your child and you're frantic. I remember, who was it, Carlitos? Oh, this is payback time. Which one was hiding in the Sunday school room? Oh, the panic that went ricocheting through this, ho this house. And, and great search was made. You can just understand, looking under pews, looking in closets, and looking at who were the visitors and which one did it. And, and da 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 and parents are looking everywhere. And come to find out, Jesus is talking with scribes and doctors. And Jesus responded to his parents, how is it that you sought me? I'm just going to paraphrase this. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business at 12 years of age? They understood not the saying which he spake unto them. You know, Joseph, God's got a special reward for Joseph. Joseph is just like, okay, my wife's going to have a baby. and her, We weren't even married. And now this son by another father is hiding from us. He's playing game with us. He's hiding in the temple. Come to find out 
he is the one doing the talking and men that are that are three, four, and five times his age are listening in awe and wonder at his words. And when Mary says, what, what are you doing to us? Don't you know that we have been frantically looking for you? And Jesus said, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? And they understood him not. But you've got to see verse number 51 because it's another aspect of, of this great symphony. Look at what Mary does. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Everything that God was telling Mary, it was here a little. And then 12 years later, it's here a little. And when he's 33, it's there a little. What I'm trying to say is, if God gave you a promise, I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going to another church. I'm not walking out on God. Because it will be fulfilled. Here a little and there a little. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Come on, somebody praise him here today. We're going we're gonna to give God some praise here right now. You know what your problem is? Your problem is if God doesn't do it today, you're out of here. If God doesn't do it next week, you're out of here. If God doesn't do it your way, you're going to be on a dating site looking for Mr. Right. I'm here to tell you that God does it here a little and there a little, but completes it in his time. Come on, mom and dad. Come out of your self-imposed religiosity and get a fresh promise from God. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Every once in a while I run into a character, Brother Oswald, that said if I don't get my ministry when I want it, if I can't do what I want to do for God, I want to be able to design exactly what I want to do when I want it. That's not the way my God operates. God spoke to me the second year that I was in the church, and I didn't push it. I didn't press it. I didn't get an attitude. I didn't threaten to backslide. I didn't threaten to walk out. And all the in my journey, an evangelist would come by, and I would hide it in my heart, and I would hide that in my heart, and I would hide that word in my heart, and I would hide that in my heart, and God brought it to the past. Come on, somebody needs to get on board today. Your problem is you're impatient. You're intemperate. You got See, God is not a fool. If you're not going to hold his promise and safeguard it, You're never going to get the next dot that needs to be connected. Because some of the dots that will be connected will not be a word that you'll ever share with another human being. But when they come, the spirit in you is, is going to refer back to the original. 
and say, uh-huh, I told you, you're on the right path. You're in the right direction. Just stay faithful. Just come on, somebody. I can't be the only one in this building that has experienced this. I cannot be the only one in attendance that understands that the promises of God are yea and amen. You can walk out on the plan of God if you want to, but not me. I'm on a journey to the miraculous Somebody shout. Somebody clap your hands. You're on the right path. You're on the right course. It's just here a little. There a little. Here a little. Within the last 12 months, God spoke something to my heart that was so incredible. For me, with my limitations and my exasperations, and every time something would come along that would let me know I'm on the right path, the Holy Ghost, stand up, Brother Ivy. Yep. And I'd hide that in my heart. And I'd hide that in my heart. And I'd hide that in my heart. To those of you that are visiting with us, this is not a one-dimensional denomination where you're just going to join the church and we're going to patty cake Jesus and we're going to give you pinwheels and chocolate to keep you happy. No. This is the threshold to an entrance of another world that is so wonderful and so glorious and so powerful. Somebody! Somebody clap your hands. Somebody lift your voice. Somebody give him praise. Somebody let God know, I'm still on the path. I'm still waiting. I'm still walking. Come on, man. Somebody help the preacher out. This is only my first service. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. came to our church when we were on Broadway. Kind of a kind of a charismatic Don Juan. And he came up to me after a service. And he said, Pastor, I'm going to give God one more week to give me a girlfriend. I looked at him and I said, don't waste a week, just leave today. You ain't going to put a clock on God. You're not going to put a clock on God. Come on, Abraham. Abraham left the Ur of the Chaldees. Didn't know where he was going. But God gave him a little here. And then he walked this way. And God gave him a little there. And he walked this way. And God gave him a little here. And he walked this way. And God, come on, somebody. You've got to be in it for the journey. You've got to be in it for relationship. You've got to be in it for the supernatural. 
Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. It's just here alone. And there is not. It's just here a little. And there a little. No trumpet blaring. No proclamation and pronouncement from the pulpit. There was a man that came by. And I apologize for using myself as a reference so often here, but I'm so acquainted with myself, I'm just trying to be a blessing to somebody. There was a man that came through our church that was extremely gifted, operated in the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom, and he was apostolic. It wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't charismatic, wasn't, it wasn't quackish. It wasn't quackery. He walked over to me. My wife can tell you. That beautiful looking woman right there on the second row. The one in the middle is my daughter-in-law. She's beautiful enough. The one on the end is my wife. My wife can tell you. That, that prophet, i never seen this guy in my life. He was from Mississippi. I still can't spell Mississippi. I don't know where the I is. I don't know where those double S's are. I don't know where those double P's are. I don't know where the, the am I, I'm not that smart. But what I do know, this man came over to me every service. I was just a new convert in that church. I was just an outreach director in that church. And he, he came over to me every single night. You know what he was doing? One night he came over to me and he looked at the pastor. He said, this is one that's going out. And the pa my pastor shook his head because he already knew. He already knew that God had called me to be an evangelist. But that man, that was God's saying, you know what? You're getting real close. You're getting real close. Come on, somebody. Don't get impatient with God. Don't get impatient on your miracle. Don't get impatient on that great thing that's going to take place where God gives you a landslide of miracles. Let's lift our hands. And let's give God the praise. Here a little, and there a little. In preparation for this today, there's people all over this house. God has spoke to you. I want to tell you, there is a danger. There is a danger in publicly professing. Here a little. And there a little. Mary is in stark contrast. Stunning contrast to a woman by the name of Sarah. God never had one conversation with Sarah. But this is why the Bible said in 1 Peter 3 and 3, 
that women of old called their husbands Lord, not being Lord from the, from the Greek word kurios, which meant Jesus is Lord, not the same thing, but that meant master, master of the household. Sarah got all of her direction from God through her husband. She never heard from God one time. But she was the Old Testament model that the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul, one in 1 Timothy 2 and 9, the other one in 1 Peter 3 and 3, both of them used women of old as the model for what a woman in the New Testament should be. Arrogant. Although Sarah had an incredible fear of God and followed her husband as a joint heir into the unknown, the one time she heard from an angel, she laughed. The one time she heard a supernatural voice, (laughs) it wasn't an arrogant, despising laughter of of disrespect. It was a laughter of disbelief. (laughs) Bring up that scripture, please, in, in the book of Genesis. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. Instead of holding the word in her heart like Mary. I'm looking at people all over this congregation. You know what the problem with the 21st century church is? We're so manipulated by the media and social media that some of us ain't got waters that are deep enough to hold on to a promise of God that may not happen next week, next month, next year, or five years from now. But that is exactly how the New Testament began and is sustained by God speaking to his people from the inside out. God's not competing with social media. God's not speaking with Rush Limbaugh. God's not speaking with Joe Biden. God is not competing with with social media. God is not competing with CNN, Fox News, or all the rest. When you get a word from God, I'm going to hang on to that because that's where I get my direction. That's where I get my strength. That's where I get my hope. That's where I get my faith. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Somebody clap, somebody shout, somebody. You're just going to have to be a man or a woman on mission. What's going on, sister? Didn't you know you're going through this? This has happened, this has happened, this has happened. I'm not operating on externals. I got something that's kept. It's under lock and key. And that's what motivates me. That's what motivates my prayers. That's what motivates my church attendance. That's what motivates my obedience. That's what sustains my separation. That's what keeps me holy. That's what keeps me hoping. That's what keeps me believing. That's what keeps me praying. That's what keeps me sacrificing. That's what keeps me living. 
Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Come on, mama. Come on, renew your hope in your children. Renew the hope for your husband. Renew the hope. You can always tell the family. You can see two different families. Through the years, I've seen enough of this. I'm not speaking this condemningly. I'm speaking this realistically. One family over here go through something. One family over here go through the exact same situation. And this family over here come through with flying colors and be the recipients of divine favor from God. This family over here gets bitter, complains, pointing their finger at people in the church and the leadership of the church and end up backsliding. Same exact condition, same exact situation. What was the difference? One had a word that they said, you know what? I'm not walking away from this word. This is something that I will give birth to. This is something that I'm pregnant with. This is something that I'm carrying. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm not going to walk out. I'm not going to back out. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give out. This is not for sale. I'm not for rent. I'm not for lease. Shout with a voice that here a little and there a little like divine breadcrumbs, those great saints of old of whom the world is not worthy. And whom God is not ashamed to be their God. I've got breadcrumbs, snippets, revelation, a promise, a prophecy, a word fitly spoken. And they entered the finish line. Let's lift our hands and just talk to Jesus for a minute. I don't care how ugly the picture looks. In fact, let me give you a little, while you're praying, let me talk to you a little bit about my God. The worse off you think the picture looks, you're a perfect candidate for God to get the glory. But have we been so conditioned that we feel like if I don't feel good, God must not be good. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, I rarely feel good. No, you can make all the money and just throw it all around and bring a lot of cheer to everybody. That ain't what makes me happy. What makes me happy is that word from God. What makes me happy is watching somebody have shackles fall off of them today. What makes me happy, I don't need to feel good. I can be under some form of load. But, honey, I'm walking with the word. And the outside pressure is not going to get the inside gold. The outside pressure is never going to take the inside promise. The outside pressure is not going to get to the inside promise. Come on, clap your hands. Give God the praise. Lift your voice like a trumpet. Give him the glory. Give him the praise. Come on, act like somebody with a promise. Act like somebody with direction. Act like somebody. 
Somebody give him glory. I've been sent here to let you know you're right on target. You're right on the path. You're right on the road of righteousness. Make a lot of friends in this church. There's a lot of great homies. How you doing? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because these are all home dogs. Praise the Lord. But don't you hang around with people that are not talking about this kind of stuff. You're, you're not going to get no word. You ain't going to get no word to get you out of your situation unless you finally, it all, it dawns on you. I can't be hanging around with people that are drinking lemonade and expect to drink the new wine. I can't hang around with people that are bitter. I can't hang around people putting the church down. No, 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 no. Once you get a crumb, once you get a here a little, there a little, you're saying, I don't care what's going on. I don't care. Let God worry about that. Let God worry about that. Let the pastor worry about that. Some of you stand to your feet and say, God, I need a crumb today. God, I need a crumb to fall from the master's table. Lift your hands and say, God, here am I. Just remain standing. Mary was an outcast, had a child out of wedlock. Just that strange little Jewish girl, Brother Oswald, that's hearing voices and seeing stuff. She didn't have a lot of friends. Oh, Elizabeth understood. Elizabeth was a homie. Elizabeth had been walking with the promise for nine months, even when her husband didn't believe in it. God spoke to me before I was even saved. It wasn't the cocaine I was on. It wasn't the alcohol I was drinking. You can be in a church for years. And your Christian experience will go to the next level when you realize that was for me. Until you start walking with a word. And you can't choose when this word is given. God, I'm demanding a word of you. No. It can be just driving down the road, pushing a shopping cart, changing a baby's diaper. In the commonplace of life, God comes on the scene and wants to start the journey and just drop a word. Most people, if they remain carnal and caught up with the surface and the mundane and the minutiae of everyday life, 
they'll completely bypass those divine moments that we will be held accountable for at the judgment seat of Christ. For Jesus himself will break back the covering through time and said, don't you remember? Oh, yeah. Don't you remember right there? Don't you remember right there? Don't you remember right there? I'm not saying you'll be lost, but you'll live on a completely lower level of privileged lifestyle by not living with a little here and a little there and a little here and a little there and a little here. Elder Sergeant, when our church had to shut down because of this doom and gloom called the virus, I was standing in that vestibule looking at that building across the street. Church wasn't showing up. Thank God you were still faithful in every, every regard, but the church wasn't showing up. Yes, your pastor has those moments. You're less than human if you don't. You're less than a man of God if you don't, Elijah. Let's lift our hands. I'm done today. I wonder if there's somebody that understands what I just preached. This altar is open. I wonder if there's a mama that is still hanging on for your children. With a little bit here and a little bit there. I wonder if there's somebody that's waiting that you're on, on the next indication of direction, that you're on the right path, Abraham. You're going to get a baby boy, Sarah. Go ahead and laugh. It didn't stop the prophecy. It didn't stop the promise. It didn't stop God's program. Let's lift our hands on this altar and let's pray together. The Holy Ghost is here to renew and rejuvenate and regenerate, resuscitate to remind you, to renew in you. Come on, somebody. I'm not moving till I get that word. I'm not budging until I get that word. I'm not deviating from the path until I get a little here and a little there. Come on, somebody. Lift your hands.